Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Dearest Jasper, Xander, Ender, Esther, Archer, Fletcher, Ember, Fisher, and whoever else God has in store. God is pleased with you through His Son, Jesus, who loves you and through whom you were fearfully and wonderfully made to reflect the very image and beauty of the Creator of the universe. In this you began life already approved and lacking in nothing. What you do about Jesus, following Him or rejecting Him, is the only eternally impactful decision you will make. But understand that this decision is made daily, no hourly, with how you choose to live your life. Seek Him, rely on Him, learn His Word and obey it. Return to Him as soon as you realize you've made any mistake. Depend on Him and He will make your path straight even when you cannot walk straight yourself. He has done this for me. Your mother and I are overjoyed with each of you and love you no matter what. In your life, you will find the world offers you the most dazzling gifts, enticing pleasures, and seemingly innocent and admirable aspirations, with little to perhaps no consequences. This is all normal and expected. But you will find out, as I did, the gifts are cheap and dull, like rocks with a false jewel luster. Those enticing pleasures are short-lived, but their aftermath leaves a forever footprint on your heart. You see, your heart, while seemingly good, is deceitful above all things. Everything you say, think, feel, it flows from it. You must guard it ever so preciously. Foolishness is described in the Hebrew of Proverbs as literally lacking a heart. The one who lacks a heart will die. The lazy fool is one who lacks a heart. Yet the wise person who listens to wisdom gains a heart. So how? How does one gain a heart? How does one gain wisdom? There is a reason, my children. Jesus says you must be as little children and come to Him. Only through a new heart, through faith in Him, can you walk in wisdom. And His wisdom will never steal you wrong or lose its shine. And His peace is forevermore. We know that there will be difficulties in your paths as you make mistakes just as we have. But God will use all this for your good and will finish the good work He began in you. Often God's will will be very clear to you but confusing because of your perspective and the influence of the world. The easiest way truly is to obey God, though it will often be harder up front. You will either choose to disobey and learn the hard way, as I so often have, or simply obey and follow God's word, and it will be well with you even in hardship. Your own way will always fail and bring heartache, but the price of your return to Jesus has already been paid, so return as soon as you realize your error love and care for your siblings one day your mother and i will be gone and each of you to the other will be your greatest joy on earth otherwise your neglect of each other will become your deepest regret i am so proud of you you are enough for me i love you daddy love mom
Pretty cool stuff, man. Um, it's a lot of backflips on that trampoline, though. That that makes me a little dizzy because um, I'm old, and um, that's tough. Uh, I love being able to see those. Those are those are super cool. It's good to know that I'm not the I don't have the only perfect family in the church. So it's good to know there's other perfect families out there as well. Um, kidding, by the way. My name's Nathan Ellis. Um, for those of you who might be newer with us, um, I uh, my wife and I, Stephanie and I, have been here for at the church for many, many years now. And actually, I, I got started here as the youth pastor. Um, I was working part-time here, and that's kind of what brought me to Grace Fellowship in the first place. And, um, and then P- Paul Wingfield showed up, and he had um, like a cool beard and, and tattoos of trees on his arms. And I was like, oh, you're supposed to be a youth pastor. I, and I remember telling God, you know, if he, if he shows up with like a beanie or if, his, if he has like a nose ring or something, I'm definitely, I don't, I'm not going to get in the way of that. Like that is stereotypical youth pastor for sure. And he showed up with a beanie one day and I was like, well, there it is. So I was able to uh, transition my ministry um, uh, to, uh, in a different way. He came in and then Kyle showed up and he had tattoos, a beard, and he was from California. And he said, bro, and he does this type of this stuff all the time. So it's like, so he stepped in. So just so y'all know, like the level of coolness in our youth pastorness is like really on the rise. It's super cool. Like we started here and now we're saying bro and we're from California. So super cool. Um, so that's where I was. Um, but now I'm, uh, I'm actually teaching and um, I'm teaching, I'm back to teaching now uh, full-time um, algebra one math. So not quite the coolest of, uh, not like the Mount Rushmore of like cool occupations to be the math teacher, um, but there's still time. I could still, you know, maybe get there one day. I just got to get a few tattoos of trees, biceps, bald head, beard. You don't have a bald head. You'll get there one day too. Um, and I got to say bro more. Um, but, uh, but the other thing that I do, uh, my graduate degree is in um, mental health counseling. So most of you probably know if you've been here for a little while that that's kind of my area of love and passion is in mental health stuff. Even though I'm back to teaching now, which I also love, my true like kind of intellectual passion is still in the world of, of mental health. So last time I had a chance to come up and speak, um, I used a lot of like the psychology background to use to talk about like spiritual things. And I was just thinking as I was planning for today, you know what? That was pretty cool. I would also love to bring in some other passions of mine to help kind of introduce our topic for today. So um, I wanted to use a, a different passion that many of you may not even know that I did this. This might be, I'm, I would imagine there's, there's many people here that don't even know that this is a thing that I do. Um, I'm actually really passionate about magic. Did you know that? Did you know that? Yeah. So um, I, something I got into a little while ago, not in like the occult sense, like I'm not like, you know, speaking to demons, just like doing illusions. So don't worry, you don't have to like karate chop spirits or anything. I'm just sleight of hand. But it's so good that you might think there might be demons involved, but there's not. So um, what I wanted to do is go ahead and show you one of my, one of my tricks, if that's okay with you. Um, if that's okay to do from stage, I got the go, okay. <laughs> I got a thumb sideways, so I'll take it. Um, and so I, I don't have a, a, a lot of time to do my full performance, but I was going to give you my best trick. 
So I need a, I need a volunteer, obviously, a lovely, beautiful volunteer. So Stephen, you seem to fit the bill. Come on up. Um, my lovely, everybody give it up for my lovely volunteer, Stephen. Uh, Stephen and I have been traveling for a while now doing our routine, and, and uh, he usually dresses like this, and it works. And so Stephen, um, we're about to really blow the people away with this trick. I have a prop, and they are cards. Whew. Now, this is, a, this is a normal deck of cards. I know you guys probably can't see it. You can go ahead and look at it. I actually just found it in my cabinet on, um, as I came here this morning. Looks like we still have a joker in there. Everything is normal. No tricks involved, believe it or not. Now, um, Stephen, I'm going to ask you to do something very serious. I'm going to ask for you to take a card, any card, and I'm not even going to look. Watch this. Any day now? <laughs> Thank you. All right, Stephen, what I want you to do... Oh, my... We practiced this, man, come on. Um, all right, I want you to look at the card, make sure you remember it. Go ahead and show the people who have good eyesight and people with normal eyesight can just shake their head and act like, now show God so that he knows he lives inside of you. He's not there. Yeah. Jump, yeah. Um, and now show it to me. Very good, very good. Okay, now Stephen, what I'm gonna have you do is I'm gonna have you place it in the deck of cards, random spot, I have no idea where it is. Go ahead and say the magic word. Abracadabra. That works for me. Now, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? I'm going to find the card. Hold on. <laughs> Give me just a moment. Uh, oh, let's, oh, gosh. Okay. I think so. Is this your card, Stephen? Nope. You're right, because this was your card. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the greats, Nate. Thank you. Give it up for Stephen, my wonderful assistant. Are you amazed? Are you impressed? I found the card. You didn't know I could do that, did you, Joey? Um, there, some people are newer here, and you were expecting magic. Others of you have been here for a while, and you were expecting Nathan to do shenanigans. And that was exactly what you expected, right? Um, I, have no, I, have no, I have no history in magic. That was a lie. I lied from stage. But it was for a good cause. Um, and I don't really do magic, but um, I started doing this. Actually, I did that trick. First time I ever did that was I was running, helping with a day camp, one of my favorite jobs I ever did for elementary school kids, back when I was in like high school. Um, so over the summer, we had like 100 elementary school kids, and I'm sitting around with a bunch of first graders doing braiding hair and coloring stuff and just having a good time. And we had cards. I was like, hey, kids, you want to see a trick? And I would do this, and they'd be amazed. They were like, wow, that's so cool. And I was like, I love this job. They think I'm cool. Then I became a ninth grade math teacher, and no longer do they think I'm cool. Um, um, but I started doing this when I was doing therapy group stuff, obviously for, to illustrate a completely different thing. And I found something to be really weird. I would do that exact same thing in my little therapy groups, start out with just kids, adolescents, teenagers. And every time I would do it, and I noticed no one in here did this, so that's eh, eh, better crowd, I guess. I don't know. Every time I did it, I would have at least one kid, usually more than one, would yell out, he showed you the card, you saw the card, like they would tell me. And I found that weird. Every single time, I, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm not lying about this. Every time I did that, at least one person would say, hey, I, they showed you the card. And I thought that was odd because I started thinking about it. And I was like, why did you feel the need to say that? Right? Like, not in a bad way. It's just interesting to me that it's like, I mean, did you think that other people didn't realize what happened and you felt the need to educate them? Like, that's silly. Like, it's obvious what happened. Did you feel the need? Was this like self-serving? Were you trying to like show off how smart you were that you figured out the trick? 
Well, no, that's silly too, because obviously everybody knows the trick. Why did you feel the need to say that? Right? I even tried that because I found that to be weird. That was just, there's just a pattern. So I tried it with my adult group one day. So I go in with a bunch of adults. I'm like, well, they're, you know, they're very mature. They, they won't do this. They were worse. I did it in like half the room. Every single time I've ever done this, it was like, oh, uh, that's, that's cheating. They, you, they showed you the card. I'm like, well, all magic is tricking you. It's just mine's not very tricky. It's not a very good trick, you know? It's still a magic trick. It's just not a very good one. But I find that so weird that there's like something in them said that they, they just had to say something, right? They had to address this elephant in the room. They couldn't let me like, leave without making sure that everybody knew that something was wrong. And I find that interesting because I think that we've all experienced probably something like that um, in our lives where something happens and you just get this feeling inside where you're like, that's just not right. It's like something's off here. You know what I mean? Sometimes you know exactly what it is and you feel this like something inside of you is like, hey, that's wrong. That's not right. I need to do something. I need to respond. I need to say something. I need to call that guy out. Maybe it's something like that. But also, I think there's times when it's things that like, you may not even be able to put words to stuff. It's just you're experiencing stuff in your world, and you're like, man, like, this just doesn't feel right to me. Something's off. You ever feel that? Hopefully, or else this whole illustration didn't work. If you feel that, it's like, man, something's wrong. And this illustration doesn't really show this, but I think the opposite is true as well. I think that when we see things that are good, we also have this feeling inside. We're just like, that's good. Like this thing, whatever it is, is like you just get this feeling of like, hey, that feels like a good thing. That feels like a nice family. That feels like a, like, man, I like this situation. Something about this just feels right to me. There's like this little feeling inside of us that kind of wells up when we're like, man, something's off or something's right. Either way, we just feel it. Hold that thought because we're going to be camping out in Proverbs 4 today, um, which Abby read uh, a, a big portion of it earlier. And as we've been going through Proverbs, um, what I think you've probably noticed as we've been going through this series is that Proverbs, as we've gone through chapter by chapter, each chapter is just so full of so much variety of things that it would be crazy for me to try and stand up here and like go through every single verse line by line and talk about it and do fancy Greek words and stuff. So I'm not going to do that because um, we would be here a very, very long time. I just don't have the capacity to do that, neither do you. So what I want to do instead is a little bit different. I want to pump the brakes a little bit on like the, the big content of the chapter. And I want to like really go back to the foundation of two words that are in here that keep popping up throughout Proverbs. And really, they keep popping up through all scripture. That as I was reading through it this week, I just kept running into these words. They're words I know what they are. You know what they are. They, we can put some, a pretty good definition to them. It's things that we've heard and said our whole lives. But there's two words in here that I felt like I just kept hitting of like, do I really know what I'm talking about? Do I really get the gravity of what these things are? And so what I want to do is try and just really hone in and digest these two main words or, or really themes that we see in this chapter with the hope of two things. One, that being able to better understand and comprehend the gravity of these words will hopefully bring to light part of this chapter in a way that it wouldn't have previously. But also, I'm hoping that this foundation that we can set with these two things is going to carry on throughout as we continue reading through this chapter. And it's going to continue to kind of pay dividends down the road if we have like this solid foundation. Now, because I can't talk about everything in here, I, I love the challenge that Joel has set forth each week of um, going through during the week and reading this chapter 
Uh, read it through once each day and write down something that stands out to you. And by the end of the week, if you've, done, if you've been participating in this, you've already recognized like you got a good list of stuff. It's not hard to find a new thing that stands out each day. But I would even challenge you to go a step further. Don't just consume this for yourself. Don't just go through and read it each day, you know, when you wake up and write it in your little journal and let it stay in your little journal. I would also challenge you to be communicating and talking about this with your, com- with your spiritual community during the week, um, whether that be in your life group, um, with people that you're discipling or being discipled by. Let this not just be something that you consume and hold inside of you and hide in your heart and your journal. Let it be something that you can dialogue with other believers about. Um, because I think there's really powerful things here. Cool? Um, so the, the first word that I want to really hone in on, it feels so obvious, I know, because it's Proverbs, it's the word wisdom. Because keep, we keep talking about wisdom, like that's the whole thing, the whole theme of what we're doing. And every time we talk about it, it's like, I know what wisdom is, you know what wisdom is, but do we really? It's almost like this word to me, I'm speaking for myself, it's like I'm 90% got what this word means, but the other 10% is like just a little bit abstract, like just enough for it to be a little bit foggy. And it's also a word that like I've used for 30 plus years, however old I am now at church, like every single week. So part of it is just like this beaten down path that like you say it and you use it so much that you're like, wait, do I really know what I'm saying when I say this? I picked up on this at our elder team meeting this past week. We were in the meeting, we were kind of sitting in a circle and we were going around and, and talking about, about what's going on in our lives and, and sharing prayer requests, you know, requesting prayer from each other and, and then taking turns praying for each other. And, and I started to notice this pattern. I was like, wait, everybody in some form or fashion is asking for wisdom. Um, you know, hey, I'm dealing with some stuff with my family, blah, blah, blah. I just ask that you guys would pray for wisdom as I, deal with, as I try to deal with this. Or I'm dealing with some things at work. Like just, I just ask that you would pray, um, pray wisdom over me, that, that God would, would give me wisdom in how to deal with this. And I started noting seeing this pattern. And here I am like kind of praying for, for Brian. You know, Brian, you know, I, th- I thank you for Brian and, and all these things. And, and God, I just pray that you give him wisdom. And, and I'm also simultaneously like having this side conversation with God of like, what am I really asking? Like when I say, please give Brian wisdom, what am I really asking you to do? Does that make sense? Like, am I asking you to give him the answers to like a test? Like, like God, please make sure that Brian knows exactly how to answer every question that comes his way this week. Am I asking that you give him peace over the way he feels about things that he's already decided? Like, what am I really asking when it comes to wisdom? So I wanted to like look at what is this wisdom thing that we're talking about and really just try and dive in. I know that we're like 90% good on what wisdom is. I'm not here to waste your time. But I think there's like a 10%, that last 10% that like I want to make sure that we grab that and we hold on to it and we see how beautiful it is because I think it makes everything else so cool. Is that, is that cool? So um, back to our feelings earlier, back to our magic trick. Um, when my guys were like responding with their magic trick and they're like, hey, like this feels off or the other way, this feels good. I think that there's like a lot of like spiritual component to that like bubbled up feeling that we have. Now let's remember, we're talking about feelings, feelings, feelings that are coming from a human heart. And um, like Krista said on the video, like this heart is, Jeremiah says, deceitful above all else. So we have to be really careful when we're just thinking about how do I feel about something because I am a fallen human 
who has a deceitful heart. So I have to be very careful about the way that I'm interpreting how I feel about stuff. But I also think that when we look at wisdom, um, wisdom is not just knowing something. It's not just knowledge, right? It's how do I apply this knowledge? It's how do I make decisions in obedience based on the knowledge that I have? And for us, especially as Christians, it's how do I make decisions in a way that God would bring honor to God, right? How do I follow him in this? Um, so instead of like giving you like a definition, because I just don't think we need that, I want to go back and I want to look at what, how Solomon started this whole conversation. If you look in uh, 1 Kings 3, if you want to flip to it real quick, um, this is the narrative of how Solomon kind of gets his wisdom. And we all know the story of how, you know, he becomes king and, well, God comes to him and, and says, hey, like, kind of like, like Robin Williams, genie, like, poof, what do you want? Poof, what do you want? And he's like, what do you want? And he's like, and he asked for wisdom. But as I was reading this this week, I found an interesting thing. He never uses the word wisdom. God does later. He basically fills in the blank for him. He's like, oh, you're asking for wisdom. But he doesn't say that. Um, so this is uh, verse 7 in 1 Kings 3. And I, find, I don't know. I find this pretty cool. It says, and now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. So he's like, he's like I, I, I can feel him in this moment. He's, he's young, probably about 20, maybe younger. He's stepping into the, step, the steps of his father, King David, you know, the man. And he's taking over this massive um, kingdom as a, as a kid, and he's honest. He's like, hey, I'm a child. Like, I don't even know how this thing works. I don't know what's going on. And you're asking me for anything? And he says, um, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? So he doesn't use the word wisdom here. What's he really asking for? Yeah, discernment. He's saying, hey, help me to be able to discern between good and evil. Well, who determines what is good and evil? I know this isn't like, this would have made a lot of sense maybe 80 years ago. Now that's a really big question, right? And in this case, it's God. Really what he's saying is help me to think the way you think. Help me to tune my heart and my mind to your heart and mind so that when I encounter things, I'm gonna, I'm gonna encounter them and act and think and be the way that you would act and think and be. Right? That's what he's asking for. Um, I was going through use, like different translations to find the word wisdom because I, I couldn't find them. Maybe there's one that I didn't try that's in there. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a, like a seminary guy or anything. I'm just a teacher. Um, but I did find one that I loved. And I've actually started using this in my prayer life starting today because I just found it last night. Um, and it was in the message, which is like the Cliff Notes Bible, so take it for what it is. I'm not saying you have to really love everything about it, but this is the way it phrases it. This is amazing to me. I love this. In, in the way that it phrases it, it says that Solomon asked for a God-listening heart, right? Like, give me a God-listening heart, aka wisdom. So when I say, hey, God, be with Brian this week, and, and please give him wisdom, what I'm really asking God to do is, hey, God, Help him have a God-listening heart. May he be attuned to you. May his heart, his thoughts, his mind, his actions be in line with what you would call them to be. And I was just thinking through, like, what does this look like for us? 
Um, Joel talked last week about how there's, he has like these phrases that his dad would tell him when he was growing up and probably still tells you today that he like can hear his dad like in his mind. And I have this whole, I've been like seriously, for like the last two or three years, I've been developing this whole like psychological theory and this like thing that I should probably preach on if I ever had a chance, which today would have been a perfect day for that, but oh well. Um, and the whole thing is based on the idea of like voices in our head, not like the bad intrusive uh, schizophrenia stuff. If that's going on, go see my wife. She's wonderful. She, she like deals with stuff like that. You can come talk to me about your problems. She's better. Um, but I'm talking about like the voices in our head that kind of, that we hear each and every day that kind of guide us. I, this happens to me constantly. I hope I'm not alone, or maybe I do need to go talk to you and get some medications. But like constantly, every single day, I hear my dad, right? I hear, I hear my grandfather. I hear men who have, uh, have discipled me over the years, constantly. And it's not usually like a specific thing that they said, right? It's not like I hear this like verbatim thing that he told me. It's more like I'm encountering something and I, it's, it's so weird that like in my head, I hear my dad basically like talking and, and saying, this is what I would do because I just know what he would do. He didn't say, maybe it's not something he specifically told me, but I know that that's what he would do. I know that that's what he would say. I know that that's how he would be. Why? Because I followed my dad and I walked with my dad and I lived with my dad against my will from like 13 to 16 years old. But I was there and I saw and I followed and I learned from and I was with and I was in community with and, and I just learned, oh, this is how my dad would do it. This is exactly what he would do. And there's other people in my life that, like I hear their voices as I do things. Do, are you with me? Is that super weird or a little bit weird? Just nowhere? Okay, no weird. Good. You're good, honey. And, but it's, it's this like powerful thing. And I think what I've discovered as we kind of wrap up this idea of wisdom is that the wisest people don't really have to think. They just do, right? Because isn't that kind of what we would aspire to be? Like, I don't want to have to and I'll clean this up in a second. I don't want to have to like go off to a cabin in the woods for seven days and meditate over every little decision to try and figure out and discern what is God's will for this. What I would much rather happen is like, like no, I know exactly what God's will would be here. I know exactly how God would, would, would want me to respond here because I know God, because I walk with him, because I follow him, because I'm, I'm with him all the time and I talk to him all the time. And like, I don't, like, it doesn't require a whole lot of thought. It's just automatic, right? And that's why I'll clean it up. Not that the other things aren't bad. Like that's something we should be like deeply meditating on these things and learning and growing and thinking through stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm saying like, I think that what God's called us to be when it comes to wisdom is to be people who we are, we have a God listening heart all the time. And we're constantly in communication with him and his people so that when these things come up in our lives, sure, there's times we need to seek counsel and we need to pray and we need to have like special thoughts about things. I'm not saying that's bad, but it's like, man, I know exactly what God wants me to do here because I know God. How do we do that? Well, the obvious answers, but they're important answers. We do it by surrounding ourselves with godly people. We do that by being in life group and community, by being discipled, by sharpening each other so that the voices that are in your heads, because they're gonna be there anyways, are the voices that God wants to be in my head. Like these men that are in my head that I hear, and I'm, I'm very thankful for this because only half of it was intentional. The other half just happened. These are godly people giving me godly advice in my head. And I think that God uses that. And, and we have control over who those voices can be at times, right? 
And I want to also make sure that God's one of them. Right? I want to make sure that I'm in the word. I want to make sure that I'm praying, that I'm listening. Um, Luffy and Alex and, and Paul and company, they've been really pushing me recently on really diving into my prayer life and doing that a little bit better. And one of the big things they've been pushing me to try and do better is um, to listen, learning to listen for the Lord. These are habits that we develop. These are things we put into our lives so that we can have God-listening hearts, we've, so that we've cultivated this pattern and this habit of having a God-listening heart, a.k.a. wisdom, um, which I think is important. Isn't that cool? Sweet. All right. Word number two. I keep using the word heart, and that's the other one I don't really understand. Heart. <laughs> when I say you want to attune your heart, what do I mean by that, right? So again, it's one of those words, like it's all over scripture, constantly. Google like heart in the Bible, and it'll be like 9,942. I don't know the answer. Like it's all over the place. Constantly talking about your heart and guard your heart and protect your heart and the desires of your heart and all these things. And it's one of those things that we all know what it means when we read that, but it's just, there's like that 10% that's just a little bit up in the air. You know, it's, a, it's a slightly abstract, just enough to be a little foggy sometimes. And it's also something that we've heard so many times and said so many times that we start to just kind of repeat it and it becomes like a beaten down path. And so as I was like thinking about wisdom, I kept running into that word heart. And I was like, well, what do I mean by that? What do we mean by our heart? When God says, protect your heart, what does he mean? So let's dive back into um, Proverbs 4. And um, I'm going to reread uh, a portion of what Abby had read earlier. Um, I'll start at verse 14, because I think the ending to this is powerful, but the setup is like beautiful. Power and beauty. Proverbs. Okay. Um, verse 14, it says, uh, uh, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it, turn away from it, and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And here we go, verse 23, which is the kicker. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Guard your heart. Protect your heart. What does he mean by that? What is my heart? Sometimes I think my heart is like my mind, right? Sometimes I think it's like I kind of equate it and, and put a synonym of like, oh, he's talking about like my mind, my thoughts. I think that's part of it. Sometimes I think of it as like my, my will, my might. Like, like I'm going to serve, guard, serve God, God with all of my heart. It's like, okay, I'm going to really put everything I have into it, right? It's like my will. I think that's part of it. I think that as we go through and we see how heart is used through the Bible, again, I'm not like a super fancy Greek guy. It's Kyle. And he has tattoos. He's so cool. But, but what I do is I start saying, like, I think all of these are like part of it. Put them all together. What do you have? Like, you have you at your core. When we're talking about your heart, protect your heart, we're talking about protect your core, like the very essence of who you are, not just your thought life, but that's part of it. Not just your actions, that's part of it. Not just your kind of will and your spirit, but that's part of it. We're talking about like who you are as 
a whole. Who is your being? Guard that. Protect it. Um, and when I saw that, it made me think of, um, think of this. Uh, it made me think of animals. So um, when I was thinking about this, I was like, man, part of this whole passage in Proverbs is a, kind of annoying to me because it's so basic. Like the part that I read there at the beginning, which is very poetic, but at the end of the day, I walked away and you asked Joel, I, I was like, dude, like, this is obvious. He's saying, don't go down a wicked path. Go down the good path. It's like, okay, got it, check. <laughs> don't be bad, be good. Okay, duh. That was kind of my response. I was like, Joel, how am I supposed to preach on this? This is, like, this is so obvious. But then I started thinking, I was like, well, if it's, <laughs> if it's so obvious, then why do I keep doing it? Why do you keep doing it? Why do we keep going down evil paths? It's obvious that we're not supposed to be bad, but we do. And then I started thinking, well, what is that evil path? And I started thinking, well, my evil path may not look exactly like your evil path. And your evil path not look, may not look exactly like someone else's evil path. They're all evil, right? But it might be a little bit different because God made us different. And I think that that was by design. God specifically designed for us to all have very unique strengths and to be like this culmination of people who have these different like abilities and strengths. And we come together and we're like, Captain Planet. We're like, yeah, we're saving the earth for Jesus. But sin makes us not perfect. And what it does is it flips it. So now we don't just all have individual strengths. We also have individual weaknesses that come along with that. And I think being aware of those things in my heart, the way that God very intentionally made me, being aware of, hey, what are the strengths that God put there for a purpose? Am I using them? But also, how does that make me potentially weak? How does that create these like side evil roads that become very tempting? Being aware of that is powerful. So I'm not going to go through this. I'm not going to spend too much time because I can't, because um, I would if I could. I'm not a personality test guy. I took a test in college about it, or a test. I took a class in college about personality assessments and stuff, and I thought that it was it's not fun. And I took an online class, so online class plus I wasn't that into it. I can't even tell you much about it. Um, not that I'm against them, it just, it just wasn't my thing. Um, but I, I've start, I started using this, and it's, this is not, this is like pseudoscience stuff. Like, this is not like super awesome peer-reviewed things, but this is, um, it's based off of the, the DISC personality assessment, which is like an old thing that's not super awesome, but it works. Um, and it's got four animals, and it's basically, you take a little test and you figure out who you are, and I was going to have little tests that you could take, but I didn't do that. So we're just going to look at them instead. The first type of person is the my lion. These are my born leaders. They're confident. They're powerful. They're ambitious. They're goal-oriented. If they put their mind to something, by golly, they're going, to they're going to do it. These are powerful people. They have strengths. God made them this way for a purpose because he wanted leaders. He wanted strong, powerful decision makers who could lead his people. Powerful strength. But <laughs> sin. All of a sudden, these people become very impatient. They become very easily annoyed with other people who get in their way. They can be harsh. They can, be, they can cause controversy. They can be mean to people. They can run over people in order to get to their goal. There's all these weaknesses that all of a sudden start to set in that you have to be mindful of. Do I have any lions in the room? No, no, you can't. You're not a lion if you're like, lions are like, that would be me, sir. Uh, that's what you're supposed to be like, Mark. Be a better lion. Um, Second service, we'll get, it, we'll get it right. The next one is, um, these are my golden retrievers. Thank you. My golden retrievers. This is what I used to think I was. And then I got old. Um, and 
and mean, I think. Um, my golden retrievers, these are my caring personalities. These are my nurturers, my peacemakers. They're very loyal. They're there for you. They care about you. They cry over your pain. Isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? They're like, they're like sadder than you are sometimes because they're so empathetic and they're just like, oh, let me help you. Like, I just want to help you. And the worst thing for them is to cause any kind of controversy. They're like, I do not want to be in, I don't want to get in an argument. It makes me my, like, I start feeling weak inside. I got to get out of here. Like, I do not want to be in an argument. It makes me scared. Don't like it. Um, so again, God made these people very intentionally. We need this. We need people who like are loving and caring and they want to sit down and have coffee and talk about our lives. Like these are beautiful people, but sin comes in. And oftentimes these are my people who they, they're easily afraid. They hate change. They get really scared. They get run over. They get overworked because they can't say no because they're so scared that they're going to make someone upset. These are my people pleasers. Being awesome with people is great until you start doing it just to please people, right? That's not of the Lord. That's not what he's called us to be, just to be people pleasers so we feel good, better about ourselves, so that we feel valuable. So all of a sudden, this like the sensitive stuff that God was like, hey, this is a strength, this is awesome, gets turned into a potential weakness, right? Next, um, I won't make golden retrievers raise your hand because you don't want to. Um, my otters, hey, otters, where you at? Party, party, that's my Dave Sheever. Okay, so my otters, you, you guys have seen otters, right? What are they doing when you saw them? They're playing. They're going crazy. They're, they're swimming around in the things. Although usually they're not there because every otter exhibit is like closed. I don't know what it is about otters these days, but not doing well, I guess. That's, that's my experience. I love otters. I just can't ever see one. I, I want to have one as a pet, but apparently they're extinct. I don't know. Um, but otters are social. These are my social people. These are my, they, they're just fun loving. This is my class clown. And they just want to have a good time and hang out. And where's my people? Where's my people? I got to be with people. We got to be social. We got to have fun. Super cool to have these people. Without these people, life is terribly boring. But sin comes in and makes these people who God designed for a purpose to be eh, a little bit unproductive, <laughs> a little bit disorganized. Because, you know, I could get this job done or I could go hang out with my buddy. I'm going to do that instead. We usually find that these people have messy rooms. Isn't that interesting? And they don't turn in their homework. Why? Because they don't want to do their homework because they want to go hang out with their friend because that's more important to them. God designed them for a purpose. But then if we're not careful, we start to have too much fun and we start to lack, we start to lack that like empathetical connection with people. We lack the ability to just stop, slow down, sit down, and think and feel because we're so busy doing, right? Weaknesses that lead to destruction. And then the last one is my beaver. And this is actually probably more like me, right? I don't like to admit it, but yeah, I got old. I teach freshmen. They're killing me. Um, so beavers are my rule people. We have to follow the rules at all times. There are rules for a reason. We must follow them, blah, 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 blah. And you need to follow the rules, and I need to follow the rules, and we need to do everything correctly, and blah, blah, blah. These are very, these are my analytical, my thoughtful people. They're very organized. They're very reliable. Like, they definitely will have their homework done, and it will be in perfect rows, and they will coordinate, color coordinate it, and it will be awesome. But they don't know anybody's name in the class because they spent way too much time color coordinating their notes and making sure everything was organized to, you know, go hang out with friends. And they don't like hanging out with friends because sometimes their friends break the rules. Boo. They don't like that. Again, God created these people on purpose. We need this. We need structure. We need order. We need this in our world, spiritually and, and everything. 
But sin, all of a sudden we're critical of others. All of a sudden we're extremely judgmental. All of a sudden we're very rigid. All of a sudden we lack empathy and love. I don't know what your personality is. I don't know if you can kind of relate to any of these or maybe a mixture of these. It's the idea. Um, if you want to kind of leave it on that last one. But I think that what I want to leave us with is when we talk about guarding your heart, I think that we're guarding our heart in two ways. One, we're guarding, we're playing defense. We're playing defense towards our weaknesses. And you've got to know what your weaknesses are because they might be a little bit different than someone else's. You've got to know what your evil path looks like. And you should know because you keep going down it and, it's, and you've made this little trail. And you should know what it is. You've got to be aware of that. Because if you're not aware of it, you're just going to keep doing it. But if you're aware of it, you can start to intentionally guard against it. And the way you guard against it isn't just by putting up little post-it notes um, at the beginning of the evil trail that say, like, don't go there. Please don't. Kyle, don't do it. This is Kyle. Um, like, don't, like, that's not what, like, you don't have to do it by yourself. The better way is to do it the way Nehemiah did it and get a community, get people in the life group. It sounds repetitive, but that's what Jesus talked about a lot too, I guess. Get people who you're discipling, get people with you to fight these battles for you because it's a whole lot better if you've got not just a sign or a post-it note that says stay out. It's a whole lot better if you've got like Alex Johnston standing there with big biceps. Like, Nathan, I know you're, you're trying to come down this path, but you're gonna have to get through me first. Like, I'm not letting you do this. Like, nope, 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 you, you gotta go that way. You know what I mean? Like, we gotta surround ourselves with people. We gotta, we gotta make sure that we have a God-listening heart so that we're continuously like being reminded of like, wait, God, like this path that I'm kind of falling down again, eh, I see it, I recognize it because I'm listening, because I'm with you. And the wisdom that you've given me helps me to see that it's not my deceitful heart here that's thinking, or that it is, and it needs to be your heart that I'm attuning to. And then the last thing is like, I think we guard our heart. We guard it because our heart is a powerful weapon for offense. Because within what we're protecting, within this heart, within my being, are amazing strengths that God gave me on purpose because he wants me to use it. In fact, he commands me to use it for his glory. We gotta protect it so that we can use it. We gotta protect it so that we can nurture it, so that it can grow, and then it, we can go out and use our weapons for good. We can use our leadership abilities. We can use our empathy. We can use our analytical minds. We can use our fun-loving people skills for the glory of God. We, we, we protect it in defense by keeping us from falling down the evil path, whatever that is for you. But we also protect it because we're like, no, this is valuable. My heart, the way that God designed me to my core is on purpose. And yes, the devil came in and messed some stuff up. And he made it kind of deceitful and made it yucky and made it gross and gave me weaknesses, but the strengths are still there. Like there's still the power of God within us. And when, when the spirit of the Lord comes upon us and lives within us, like, bro, he's ready to unleash us. He's ready to unleash us to go out and do his work. That happens on the good path. We can't do it if we're not listening to him first. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.